The Nonprofit Hour, a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders, with interviews, profiles, and documentaries. Welcome to the Media Institute for Social Change's Nonprofit Hour show on X Ray FM, now at our new resident weekly time slot of noon every Monday. I'm Jason Dennington. Coming up later in this week is the start of one of Oregon's premier film events, the Bend Film Festival, which runs from October 8th through the 11th. For this week's episode of the Nonprofit Hour, we are fortunate to have an interview Phil Bussey conducted on location in Bend with Todd Luby, the executive director of the nonprofit Bend Film Organization, responsible for the planning and execution of the festival, which is now in its 12th year. They discuss the history of the festival, the work that it has taken to attract attention and make it a destination event for the area, and the mutually beneficial relationship that has evolved between Bend Film and the city of Bend, which hosts it. But first, this week's nonprofit news. Typically, during the nonprofit news, we bring you progress updates and events that are being held by the nonprofit organizations in Oregon and beyond. But this week, in light of the horrible events that occurred at Umpqua Community College in Roseburg on Thursday, October 1st, we would like to pass on some information from the Nonprofit Association of Oregon about some specific organizations that you can support, which will provide resources and assistance to the students, faculty, family, and community members who have been affected by this tragedy. In the aftermath of this tragic event, many have reached out for advice on how to help. Nonprofit and philanthropic organizations on the ground in Roseburg are actively seeking ways to assist, including assessing community needs in the wake of this event, evaluating resources across sectors, including strengths and gaps, so that they can most quickly and effectively coordinate and provide support to a community that will need help in healing the wounds from this tragedy for many years to come. Making a donation to support response to the tragedy in Roseburg is a way of reaching out and making a direct impact at the community's time of need. You or your organization can be part of an effort to provide immediate and long-term assistance to the victims of the tragedy at Umpqua Community College, as well as the broader community of Roseburg. If you want to lend a hand, a monetary donation is a flexible, fast, and effective way to reach out and help others. Flexibility of monetary donations allows for use for whatever is most urgent and necessary, whether that is victim counseling, supplies, or other needs activities. Its impact can be felt quickly. It requires no waiting on shipping or coordinating logistics. It makes aid effective by supplying exactly what is needed at the right time. A small donation can make a huge impact toward the larger goal of providing relief and resilience. Sometimes figuring out how to help can be difficult and confusing. Our colleagues at the Ford Family Foundation have made the following recommendations. For donations for immediate needs. First, the Greater Douglas County United Way. They have created a fund called the UCC Relief Fund. It is located at Umpqua Bank. People can donate through any Umpqua Bank branch, through the United Way website, or through a text-to-give number, 541-214-2822. Second, the Umpqua Community College Foundation 
is accepting donations to their scholarship fund, which can be found at www.umpqua.edu forward slash scholarships donations. These two local organizations are stepping up to support the families of the victims in the community. As the plan for longer-term support becomes apparent, we will continue to provide updates on vetted community-based support in Douglas County. In the meantime, our colleagues recommend not directing funds to individual GoFundMe-type efforts. Third, the Red Cross response. On October 1st, UCC students and staff were bused to the Douglas County Fairgrounds. The Red Cross worked and continues to assist in reuniting those people with family members. After a disaster, letting your family and friends know that you are safe and well can bring your loved ones great peace of mind. The website at safeandwell.communityos.org forward slash CMS is designed to help make that communication easier by allowing people to register as safe and well or searched for loved ones there. Once again, all of us connected with this show have been shocked and saddened by this needless mass shooting and have our thoughts focused on the healing and support that will be needed for the victims, their families, and the greater UCC and Roseburg communities as a whole. We will now take a moment in respect of those lost. Now we continue with this week's show. We would like to take a moment to let you know about the Media Institute's third annual nonprofit gather event, which will be happening at Mississippi Pizza on October 22nd from 8 to 10 p.m. The first hour will be all ages and feature a live talk with Phil Bussey of the Media Institute and Kimberly Irvin, the senior social media strategist at Pyramid Communications. There will be pizza, drinks, and a silent auction at the event, and the second hour will provide time for networking with members from the wide range of nonprofit organizations profiled on this show as we recognize our second year on X-Ray FM. Music from 9 p.m. will be provided by JBJ, the DJ of X-Ray's Hello Cruel World Show, and you can find more details at mediamakingchange.org. As always, 
If you have any nonprofit news you would like to share on our broadcast, you can let me know by email to jason.dennington at xray.fm. If you tuned into the Nonprofit Hour show two weeks back, you caught Julie Falk's interview with Victor Merced of Hacienda CDC and heard them mention multiple times about the Portland Mercado. This very tasty spot on the Portland map is one of the projects that was supported and brought to life with the help of Hacienda CDC. And we now have a short profile of the Mercado that is brought to us by the Media Institute Summer Program graduate, Savannah Tracy. The Mercado is a rainbow. It's just a bright, vibrant, loud, deliciously smelling sight. That's Jamie Melton, the Community Economic Development Marketing Coordinator of Hacienda CDC. Hacienda is a nonprofit that was instrumental in creating the Portland Mercado. The Portland Mercado is an LLC, so it's a business entity operating under the helm of Hacienda with 19 individual businesses operating full-time here. 16 out of 19 of the business owners are immigrant entrepreneurs coming from various regions of Latin America. Uh, We use the glue gun, the staples, and now we just cut the cardboard from boxes from our candy that we that we get. We help my mom make the piñatas. It's a very long process. <laughs> Sonia has been making piñatas for the past six years with her family. They own a traditional party shop in the Mercado. This all started, my dad was a, a distributor for the candy. He would go around Mexican stores selling Mexican candy. Then he got injured, so he couldn't do that anymore. And so we just stick to the flea markets, and we sell them there too. And this um, has opened many more doors. So. Portland has gentrified over the past 13 years more than any other American city, according to new data by Governing Magazine. This means lower-income communities get edged out of their longtime neighborhoods with the influx of wealthier, typically white residents. The Mercado has had a hand in curbing this trend. Hacienda is known for developing affordable housing complexes. We're seeing people of color and communities that are underserved being priced out. This whole idea first started when we had a group of residents living in our units uh, seeking ways to increase their income. And so we decided to set them up based on a skill that they had, and that was making tamales. And they started off selling in farmer's markets and gained a lot of success doing that. But with that came the demand to have more selling opportunities. And so we thought about this idea of the Mercado where we could have a place that would offer these opportunities. Um, So I think for sure that we're one small piece of the puzzle that can help curb displacement a little bit. This is a place where you come and you get filled up on diversity and culture and delicious food. It's also an opportunity for us all to come together and support small business development and uh, transformation of neighborhoods without displacing people. For X-Ray FM's Nonprofit Hour, I'm Savannah Tracy. That was a profile of the Portland Mercado by Savannah Tracy, produced through the Media Institute's annual summer program. Next, in anticipation of the start of the Bend Film Festival on Thursday, October 8th, we will listen in on a conversation that Phil Bussey recently had on location in Bend with Todd Luby, 
the executive director of Bend Film. Here's Phil Bussey. This is Phil Bussey, and I am in Bend, Oregon, uh, recording an interview with Todd Luby, who is the executive director for Bend Film. Uh, oh. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yourself? Thanks good. for having me. Yeah, of course. No, and, and um, you guys, you guys have one big event uh, during the year, but mm-hmm. but obviously you're doing other things throughout the rest of the year. Is that correct? And That's, let's let's start by talking about what's what's this big event. This big event is called uh, the Ben Film Festival, running this year October 8th through 11th, and every year we pretty much have the second weekend in October. Uh, for our big festival event, and this one will be our twelfth edition, and hopefully our best yet. Yeah, and I want to let's roll back a little bit. Um, Twelve years ago, what what was what was it that brought around uh, a film festival for Bend? Uh, I think uh, Katie Merritt, who was the original, she's a founder and the original director, um, just looked around Bend and said, "You know what? This is the ideal place for a film festival." and uh, she couldn't be more right. What, I, 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 you need to back those words up, I think, a little bit. What, do you, what, 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 is it, what is it that makes Ben the ideal place for a film festival? Um, ben is the ideal place for a film festival because of, uh, one, the setting. Uh, and I'll get more into that. You know, it's the, it's the setting, mm-hmm. um, the population, um, the uh, – you know, uh, the in going with the population, it's what people um, say of a certain type like to do uh, with their free time. Um, and uh, I thought that Ben people like to mountain bike and drink beer. Well, that's the unfortunate um, stereotype of the population in general. But uh, what you do find here in Bend is that you have a lot of people that have. Um, I mean, despite the fact that you had you've had people here for generations, um, let's say in the last fifteen years, um, and even more. So you know, you've had people coming here from all over. I mean, you know, uh, I always like to think of it as some kind of Oregon Trail um, metaphor. In that, you know, it is it is probably a place of, of just a ton of um, what would you call that emigres. Um, I'm going to bust your hump a little bit on that one because okay. I think they're coming from the east on the Oregon Trail, and this seems like they're coming from L.A. and San Francisco a little bit. Well, um, <laughs> that's a little biased, Phil, because I happen to be from Chicago. Fair enough. And uh, you as a Wisconsin um, – well, I'll keep it you know, friendly <laughs> – a Wisconsinite um, have also come from you know, the Midwest. And uh, you know, I would say one of every three people is from the east. Now, backing up a little bit. Um, what's great and you're, you're absolutely right that, um, well, that's another Ben stereotype is that everyone's from LA and San Francisco and we're, we're infused with California. But what actually happens is that, you know, people have come from all over East, uh, East coast, Midwest, uh, you know, I meet a, a lot of Southerners too. And, um, also you do have a lot of people from Washington, Seattle, a lot of people from Portland, um, Eugene, um, you know, coming over to finally have some sun after maybe a whole career of, you know, living in um, places where it rains a lot. Uh, I've heard that that can sort of get old. Um, and the, the desire for sun as you get older is, um, you know, much more prevalent. And, but. 
but I'm also going to I'm going to break in uh, one more time here and, and just say though one of the things that I that I think is uh, about the the valley the Willamette Valley is the rain does uh, does breed moviegoers right uh, you know and and certainly when it's sunny out is sometimes tough to get people indoors I mean is right. is that uh, explain to us what the cultural landscape mm-hmm. of Bend is to some extent when you, there's a variety of theaters and venues that you guys can use and 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 then there's the audience that seems to be excited to get into those theaters mm-hmm. yeah so uh, um, you know going with the where I was going with uh, all the people moving in is that a lot of people have moved from larger municipalities where um, they did exactly what you're saying is they've had they've grown an affinity for getting all types of movies that they could possibly want it at their fingertips. I mean, Portland being probably, you know, I don't know statistically, but I would assume just from being in Portland that it probably has more movie theaters per capita than any other city in the in the country. It's, it's just got to. I mean, and more awesome theaters, you know. Um, so, you know, people that move from Portland, you know, they're not going to all of a sudden, you know, just because it's nice to be outside, they're not going to all of a sudden forget that movies are awesome, you know, and and they're going to still have that hunger to see independent movies, stuff that you couldn't see otherwise, you know, that might be – you might be able to catch VOD, but, you know, you want to see it in a theater if that's how you've uh, become accustomed to seeing um, movies with, you know, fellow cinephiles. So that's what we – you know, that's the type of audience, um, you know, the type of demand that's here in town is that we see a lot of people that, uh, you know, that come from places with a lot more diverse cultural offerings and, you know, after, you know, they're a little tired from biking, hiking, rafting, kayaking, you know, paddleboard and everything. You want to you wanna sit down, chill and see a movie and you want to see one um, that's at a theater and that's not your big Hollywood fair. So that's, that's the kind of niche that we, that we fill. This is Phil Bussey, and it's the Nonprofit Hour. I'm speaking with Todd Luby uh, in Bend, Oregon. He is the executive director for Bend Film. Um, we're talking about uh, just getting some of the, the, the landscape laid out uh, for the film festival. Todd, can you walk us through some of the, the venues? I mean, there's some really you, – you have uh, a very funky venue, the Tin Pan Theater. Uh, movies were shown last year in a, a very – beautiful church with stained glass windows uh you have a 1940s elegant uh venue downtown it seems like you guys have a real variety Mm -hmm. yeah and that's the beauty of uh what ben has to offer too and in in being a relatively small town of eighty thousand, you have all these interesting places that each is sort of unique um to show movies so you can program certain movies at um you know and kind of program them for the venue space. So one venue we added last year was, um, you know, the Volcanic Theater Pub. Um, and, you know, that uh, they've sort of gained a reputation on showing more eclectic music offerings, plays, um, and often they do uh, uh, films too. So we've also kind of programmed our more eclectic films there, and it's just a really good fit. You know, like Tony Kay showed, you know, this documentary he was working on uh, there, uh, like at last uh, last year on a Saturday night and just kind of brought down the house. So it seemed like to be a perfect uh, venue for that type of thing. And then, yeah. And, it, and it's yeah. filled with sofas and it's, right. you know, and you, and you can drink beer and it's right next yeah. to Good Life Brewery. So, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems sort of like a, a, a living room of sorts. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the Tin Pan has, you know, there, there's few better places to see, you know, to have a, a intimate movie experience than the Tin Pan, which is just 30 seats, 
you're right next to a person. You can feel what everyone in the room is feeling about a movie. It's it's a really cool experience. And then, you know, I always just – I really love the ambiance of McMenamins too. Um, you know, again, another place with couches. You have awesome food that you can have, beer, obviously. Uh, the, um, that's the St. Francis School here. Exactly, yeah. Right, the old, it was an old boys' school, I believe. Yeah, an old Catholic uh, boys' school. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and and um, and then talk about what are what are some of the is is there a calling card for the Ben Film Festival as as in terms of the types of films that are brought here, uh, or is is that not really what you guys are after? Well, um, you know, we are strictly an independent film festival, but um, you know, it's I'm not going to see the latest Brad Pitt film then. Well, you may well. if if Brad did say something that we determined to be independent. Now that's the problem with something that's independent is that you know what's the definition these days i mean what, I, what is your guys definition well i i mean i would say so my ideal definition of independent would be um you know something that is uh it's a sort of a type of movie and i'm, I'm kind of thinking of narrative features now um is that it, it's it, it's independently produced meaning you're scraping together funds. It's maybe around a hundred thousand dollar max for for the production, and obviously there are films that go over that. But let's say you know it's a hundred thousand max, um, and it's by a filmmaker who does something with the medium that hasn't necessarily been done before or um, hasn't been tried before. Not not tried often. It it, it kind of. Um, uh, doesn't hit all those, um, let's say, marketable, you know, check marks that say a studio will look for in a script. Um, you know, like for instance, last year, um, one of my favorites and it won the narrative uh, award was uh, Bob Birdnell's remarkable tale of human survival uh, and something else. <laughs> it's a really long title. However, w- what the movie is, it's. It's essentially a guy Speaking telling a story. Speaking of not hitting all the marketing things there. Exactly. Yes. Right. Having a, a, a title too long to remember. And uh, <laughs> it consists of a guy telling a story in uh, in basically a hotel, a small hotel con- convention room. So that if a studio looked at that film, they would just, you know, they would throw it out. They wouldn't even think twice about it. Yet you see this movie and it's, and it's absolutely, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, it, from start to finish, you just can't look away and – and like that's an achievement, you know. So I I want to program as many of those films as we possibly can. Uh, again, films that wouldn't work otherwise, but are are nonetheless brilliant. And I want to after a short break here, I want to come back and talk about what what do film festivals mean for the filmmakers themselves? You know, I mean, obviously it's they can be launching pads and gathering up an audience. And if you can give us some insights how that works, that'd be great. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Media Institute for Social Change's nonprofit hour. I am uh, I have the pleasure of talking with Todd Luby, the executive director for Ben Film. Uh, one of the things, Todd, that we do is is we ask our guests to come in and and uh, choose some music for us to play and and. Maybe you have something from a movie soundtrack or just a favorite song? Um, the only thing that the first comes to my head is just, you know, starting it out kind of strong and uh, going with like a, a gimme shelter to have some kind of Scorsese, you know, feel there. Sure. And that's uh, – was that used in, in, in an early Wes Anderson? Was that – the final scene of Bottle Rockets. I know that there was a Rolling Stone song, and I'm having a hard time placing that. I I actually doubt it because he kind of he seems to go for the more obscure Rolling Stone tracks. I mean, at least he did on uh, what you call it, Tenenbaums. Um, 
But uh, or with, I, uh, I, don't, I haven't seen Battle Rocket in years, so I don't know. Sure, with Life Aquatic, uh, uh, taking David Bowie songs right. and having them sung in Portuguese. Portuguese. Yes, exactly. Our rambling aside, let's listen to some Rolling Stones. That was the Rolling Stones. Give me shelter and and uh, tip of the hat to uh, Martin Scorsese's soundtracks and big bombastic soundtracks that they can be, as well as uh, sort of fitting the the tone of his movies. This is Phil Bussey. I'm talking with Todd Luby, uh, who is the executive director for Ben Film. Before we went to break, uh, music break, we were talking about uh, the types of films that Ben Film brings here, and you're saying you're bringing independent films that may not otherwise have a market somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that would seem to be a tricky place to go. One might assume they don't have a market because they're not good. Um, 
you know, and, and, and clearly that's not the case. There's, I've, I've been to, seen a number of the films at the Ben Film Festival. A uh, fantastic documentary two years ago called Bending Steel, mm-hmm. made by some of the film, uh, the cameramen for the Jon Stewart uh, show. And it was just a very sincere film about a guy who wants to be working the carnival, Bending Steel. Wonderful documentary. And like you said, maybe wouldn't have had an audience elsewhere and had been made for about $50,000. Uh, what do film festivals like Ben Film mean for the directors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, first of all, when I when you do say something about marketability, I'm, I'm, I'm talking specifically about how the film industry works and the unfortunate reality that so many, you know, say studios and distributors close the door for otherwise good stories that would have an audience. They're just not smart enough to know how to market it. Or, you know, they just don't have the metrics to say, oh, gosh, uh, you know, this movie's about this, so we can plug it in here to our marketing campaign, and away we go. Um, and they've been proven wrong time and time again in that when someone takes a chance on a film that isn't, doesn't necessarily fit in their, in their, uh, in their tight little model, um, that that film, someone takes a chance on the film gets out there and then it just blows up. You know, it's like, uh, I, I always think about, um, um, push, um, Jeez, I'm blanking on everything now. The novel by Sapphire, you know. Anyway, yeah. Um, so that's what I that's what I mean by not market. It doesn't mean the films aren't good. Doesn't mean they won't find an audience. It just means that you know studios and distributors won't take a chance on these type of movies, which is unfortunate, you know. And that is the role that uh, festivals play is to um, hopefully be you know be showcasing great artists and great films that otherwise would not be. Would, would otherwise would uh, an audience wouldn't have the opportunity to see. So just on its base level, we're exhibiting movies that otherwise wouldn't be in theaters. I mean, that's very basic, but festivals, I think, do do a lot more. I want to keep on this theme for a little bit. Um, is Ben Film Festival more about the audience, or is it more about uh, providing a showcase for the filmmakers? Um, well, I mean, you know, the, the two go hand in hand. Um, we do... Um, you know, often say you know, as sort of a tagline or fast that you know Ben Film is where the filmmakers are the kings and queens, meaning they get red carpet treatment from the time that they land to the time they leave, mm-hmm. and we take that very seriously and are doing more every year to give them benefits to welcome them to make it easier for them to get here, uh, providing travel stipends when we can, um, always providing them free housing. And then making sure that if they want a beer in their hand from the time they land to the time they leave, that they will indeed get that. That's very bend of you. Yes, yes. And another reason I didn't go into the beer originally, but you know that's obviously having been a filmmaker and on the circuit for a while, to have this much great beer at your fingertips for four days is an incredible opportunity. But um, and, yes. so, and and a lot of the filmmakers then do attend. Yeah. Um, so this is not just showing films. I mean, you're, there's more that's going on at the film festival. Yeah. Uh, and that's what, you know, you could have, um, and, you know, a lot of places do this and, and there's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, you're, you're showcasing films that wouldn't be shown otherwise. You know, so many things do it. And maybe you have a weekend or you actually have a fest where perhaps it's an international fest where it costs tons of money to bring people in or people have to pay a bunch of money to come in for the fest. So you don't really have a lot of filmmakers there. However, you're doing a great thing by showing, you know, these films that otherwise wouldn't be seen. But it's it's totally different to have all these people come into a town um, 
you know, excited to be here for the first or second time or haven't been here for a long time. So one, they're just, they're from the minute they land, their eyes are popping out by how cool the town is. Um, secondly, they meet, um, all the people here. And, um, last year, my first year running the fest was, I, I mean, people that have been in fest all over, you know, from the biggest fest from Sundance all the way to, you know, uh, lesser known fests or, um, fests that weren't good, you know, these people are veterans and they're coming here and they're just being in, in coming away with saying that these truly are some of the best audiences I've ever had. Meaning the conversations around, uh, the films, the Q and A's following the films, the panel discussions and, and just kind of interacting uh, socially at, at one of our, um, you know, filmmaker meetups where the public is interacting with filmmakers, you know, they're just really impressed with, um, you know, the, the knowledge of our audience, the, the engagement of the audience, um, and basically how enthusiastic the audience is about the fest. Because you can you can have a great fest, but you won't be interacting with the local audience for the most part. I mean, you know, Sundance being the biggest thing, Sundance is run out of L.A. in Park City. So, you know, you're having, you know, Park City goes away when Sundance is going on. People that are in Park City go away, everyone else comes in. And it's a great time. I, I you know, I, I don't complain about this, but I'm just differentiating that um, we're different in that. Um, yes, we have a lot of visitors that come in for the fest um, from all over the country, but it's the core of Bend itself that has kept us going for 12 years. And the enthusiastic of the local enthusiasm of the local audience is what really excites um, cites the filmmakers and, and keeps the fest going so strong. So what's what's the appeal for just uh, somebody that's in Portland and to make the 150 mile drive over the over the pass to come here for a mm-hmm. weekend? Why, yeah, why would they come to this fest when they can see most of the movies, um, you know, on their TVs uh, eventually or what? Um, in, in, in that's exactly it is because we have such great filmmaker presence that, um, you know, it, it's not enough for someone who's a cinephile to kind of sit and passively watch a movie on a TV or even in a theater. And this is what I was, you know, where I was going with originally just saying. You can showcase a bunch of films and not have filmmakers there, but it's not. It's a totally different feel than a film fest, where when you're at a film fest and you make a concerted effort to get filmmakers here and they come here, that you have um, all these opportunities to learn from them, not necessarily, you know, not limited to their own films. Like, you know, why did you do this particular thing? What what was this particular story? But you get to learn about the 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 artistic process, you know. Um, just in general, um, how stories come about, how you go about making a film, how, you know, especially from the independent, uh, realm, if you did have any interest in filmmaking that you watch someone who had done it and you realize that they are, you know, they don't have any better resources than you do. And oftentimes they have less resources than you do. And look what they did. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're traveling around the country and they made a great film that's totally engaging people, and you know maybe they made it for a couple of grand. You know, we, got, we had a guy who's a fantastic filmmaker, um, up and coming on the indie scene, uh, Nathan Silver's film. Um, uh, in you know he, he's a guy. He made his movie last year for twenty five hundred bucks. What was and, the movie about? Uh, it was about. Um, so it's <laughs> he always has his mom in films, but um, uh, his mom plays this woman who runs this sort of uh, 
retreat and home for pregnant teenagers. And, um, you know, the movie's about uh, a kid who's kind of uh, breaking up a relationship in New York and he goes to do work for the house and kind of falls in with one of the girls and stuff. But, you know, there it is. It's it's one setting, essentially, about 10 characters, all great actresses, actors. And it's just putting everyone in, a in you know, this kind of um, boiler room and, and seeing what happens. And it's, it's pretty brilliant. So that he does that's his process in a lot of his films thus far. Um, and you know, he's, he's done quite a bit with that. So when a filmmaker or a, a, let's say a, um, aspiring filmmaker sees that they're like, wait, you know, that he had nothing more than I currently do. And, you know, he's done it and he's going some somewhere. So it's really inspiring to kind of see that, to meet these people and, uh, see the process. And, you, you know, you learn more at for filmmaker Q and A's at our panels, and again, you know, at just just uh, talking at, at say, you know, our, our parties. I want to come back after another music break here and talk a little bit more about the mechanics and like the process of uh, either filmmakers finding you or you finding filmmakers. But do you have another song, Todd, to suggest for us? Here, here's one. Uh, one from one of my movies by a guy that everyone should know that no one does currently is a Chicago singer named Quentin Hursley. Excellent. Thank you so much. This is Phil Bussey. Uh, it's the Nonprofit Hour. We are speaking with Todd Luby, the executive director for Ben Film. And this is a Chicago musician whose name is Quentin Hursley. Yeah. 